All right. Well, good morning, New Life Church. Good to see you guys this morning. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer today over today's word, and we're going to jump right in, all right? Father, thank you so much for today and your presence as we were graciously and kindly reminded that you, Lord Jesus, take away our reproach. You remove our guilt. As far as the east is from the west, so are our transgressions removed from us. For those who call on your name, thank you. Thank you for your presence. And now as we open your word, we pray and ask you for revelation and understanding and wisdom. Teach us your ways, O God, and may we have the heart to accept it, the will to live it. And may you supply strength by your grace and the power of the Holy Spirit in all things. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Praise God. Listen, yesterday we had our corporate prayer uh, time yesterday morning. So that, what that means is we have a new month of, of prayer focus uh, for you as a church. These are at the connect table at the back. Uh, feel free to pick one of these up on your way out today. It has something uh, new on there. It has our the prayer blessing that Pastor Rick uh, pronounced over our church back in April when we dedicated ourselves to our new name and New Life Church, and so it's pretty powerful. We were praying it and declaring it yesterday in prayer, and just the the power of the Spirit was there as we were declaring this. So I encourage you to pick one of these up uh, as you head out before you leave today. As it's a prayer focus for us as a congregation to stay focused and unified in heart and mind and purpose through prayer. All right, let's roll that video, guys. I'm Russell Moore, standing here in front of the United States Supreme Court, and as most of you know by now, the court handed down a ruling that essentially redefines what marriage is in American culture and in American life. This is not the time for Christians to panic. We have a God who is sovereign. The Supreme Court can do many things, but the Supreme Court cannot get Jesus Christ back into the grave. And so we ought to be the people of joyful confidence. We also ought to be the people who recognize and know that uh, although some things have not changed, many things have changed. We need to be the people who know how to articulate a Christian vision of marriage and sexuality that will be increasingly countercultural from this point on. People in our neighborhoods, many of them not only will not agree with us on the definition of marriage as the union of one man and one woman representing Christ in the church, they, they won't even understand it in many cases. We need to know how to explain what we believe, and why we believe it. And then we need to embody that Christian vision of marriage and sexuality in churches that are holy and churches that are on mission. The other thing that we need to remember is there are many people outside the court today who are exuberant because they believe that what the court has done today is to give them something that will fulfill them and make them happy. I think just as the woman at the well that Jesus encountered in Samaria, it won't do that. Our churches need to be the places who can receive the refugees from the sexual revolution, those who have been hurt and harmed by it. We can't do that if we give up the gospel. can't do that if we give up what the Bible teaches about marriage and sexuality. And we can't do that if we're angry at our neighbors and screaming at them rather than loving them and speaking to them about the gospel that has saved us. And so let's stand firm in the gospel. There are resources available for you at ERLC.com for your church as we move forward. As you see, the, that video is from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission uh, 
uh, they have a website, ERLC.com. You can go and look at that. But um, I wanted to play that prefacing today's message. It, what, I, what I aim to do over these next few minutes is actually what I'm going to do is a recap of our values as a church. I feel like any time that we might be tested on who we are as a person in Christ, as a church in the Lord, it's always a good time to be rooted and reminded as to what our value system is. Anytime you feel like you lose your way or things are get confusing or you forget who you are, maybe what direction you need to go, it's always a good indicator that you need to go back to the basics, back to the foundation, back to where you first started in, in the direction that God gave you for life and to review, to rehearse, and to remind yourself who you are in Christ. And so that's why I feel like God put this on my heart in May to do this series called We Are the Church and to go through our six core values as New Life Church. These values, just like any other values, they define who we are. So these values define who we are as a church, but they also to help define who we are as individual followers of Christ Jesus. And so um, I'm asking you to roll with me in this today as we go back through these core values. I'm not going to re-preach them. I cannot possibly do that in the next 25 minutes or so. But what I aim to do is just quickly recap them, and then I'm going to conclude with a, uh, what, I, what I call good reasons to be a part of a church and why that's necessary, why that's crucial today, okay? So you roll with me in that. It's on the screen, Matthew 16, 18, the words of Jesus Christ. He said, this is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. This is a verse that Matthew recorded that Jesus said that he believes about his people, the church. And in the book of Acts chapter 2 is when the church uh, began and started through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, this is the outlook I have on my people, on my church, the, my body, the people who will be my representatives on the earth. He said, I'm putting together, I'm building their lives in such a way that they will be so expansive with energy, not a hyper running around type of people, but what that means is to be a people who are stout, a people who are strong, and a people who are victorious in the ways and the will of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus values a lot, and one of the biggest things he values and that he champions is his church. He counts on you and I and countless other churches who make up the church all around the globe to be a faithful witness and representative of him, to be a kind of church that will not cower down, to be a kind of church that will not hide out, but to be the kind of church that will sit on a hilltop, not covered and smothered, but to be the kind of church that will shine bright, not with our own glory, not with our own wisdom, but with the radiation of the glory of God, to be bright and burning with the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit, to be the kind of church that, as Jesus says, to be salt and to be light. For that is what will really change things. Now I know over the course of time, 
There's been ups and downs throughout the history of our country, especially as it pertains to the church. And the church gets it wrong sometimes, but also the church gets it right a lot of times. And you see, in those moments when things are right, that's the sovereignty of God. That's the grace of God counteracting and overpowering the stupidity of man, the ego of man, the pride of man, and God saying, I love people too much, my creation, my beautiful creation, to let man mess it all up. You see, never once has God allowed us to walk alone. He's always been with us, but what he does count on, he counts on the remnant, those who remain, those who are willing to still rise up even in the face of chaos and persecution and court judgments and rulings that just deface the value of God's kingdom on this planet. And none of those rulings, none of those things can ever put Jesus back in the grave, as that man said. I don't care how many times people may think or try to do that. Nothing can overpower and overshadow the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the thing that God counts on are human beings. He counts on us to be people who are submissive to Him, who yield to Him, who surrender to Him, and let Him fill us all in all by His Spirit and His Word. Amen? And that's the kind of church that Jesus is interested in building. Not a church that sucks. Not a church that, that's stupid. Not a church that's weak. Not a church that's more interested in self-preference and what color a carpet is or whether you meet in a gym, a barn, or a 50,000 square foot facility that's got 25 air conditioners and everything else in there. No, what he counts on are people who are called and committed to him. Amen? And that's the kind of church I'm interested in leading to and being a part of because I believe that's the kind of church you are, New Life Church. And so our values are this. Let's look at number one, core value number one here at New Life Church. We value being kingdom-minded. We value the ways of the kingdom over the ways of the world. His ways, God's ways, and His thoughts are higher, and they're better than ours. We aim to be yielded to the leadership of God through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're submitted to our spiritual authority, our pastors and elders and leaders, as well as individuals and families. As a church family, we're determined to express God's ways in our everyday lives to point people to and show people the love of Jesus Christ. Being a kingdom-minded believer is about being a person of Christ in Christ's body, the church. First Peter 5, I preached on this as I t- told you once. I'm just recapping. In First Peter 5, I'm giving you these scriptures in case you missed them earlier, plus these messages are on our website. First Peter 5, the first 11 verses outline and cover three important things. And that is this, they cover three uh, important things coverings that a believer needs to have in our life. The first is the covering of spiritual authority. Pastors and leaders in the church, we we all have to submit to somebody, and God's way of doing that is in the church through pastors and leaders, spiritual 
covering. We need to have the covering of spiritual authority in our life, meaning we need to submit to our leadership, pray for our leadership, listen to our leadership, respect our leadership, and so on and so forth. The second covering that Peter addresses is the covering of spiritual accountability. We need each other to be involved in our life. When we get out of line, we need a brother and a sister to come and pull us back in. When we think about wandering away, we need someone to help us pull back in. When we're unsure of things, we need the wisdom and the counsel of the multitude that surrounds us, spiritual accountability. Amen. A few of us agree with that. Those of you who agree with that and live that, your life will be better for it, I promise you. But then we also need, number three, the covering of the mighty hand of God. Notice that the covering of the mighty hand of God in the context of these scriptures was the third part covered in this. First, spiritual leadership. Second, spiritual accountability. Third, the mighty hand of God. Many people want them, maybe want the mighty hand of God, but we don't want man messing with it. I can agree with that to a, to, to a, to a small a, a portion of that, but the way God tests our hearts is through relationships. Through relationships. So we need not only spiritual authority, spiritual accountability, but also the covering of God's mighty hand. Because you see, here's how it works. It's not one or two of those coverings. It's all three of those coverings being active in our life all the time. All the time. All the time. So being a person who's kingdom-minded is found in being a person in Christ's body, the church, kingdom-minded. Let's look at core value number two. Core value number two is that New Life Church, we value being discipleship-driven. We value being true followers of Jesus Christ. We are people of the Word of God because His Word is the bedrock of our faith and the anchor of our souls. We are people of prayer. Relationship with God is important. Come on with me. A church that prays together stays together. Amen. And we are people of community, meaning relationship with our fellow brothers and sisters is important. A church that stays together grows together. And so discipleship is embedded in relationship, and relationship is the vehicle that drives discipleship. And in 1 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul lays out three characteristics of things that are required in a believer's life if we want true discipleship to take place. Meaning, if we really want our lives to begin to take the shape and the form of Jesus. Because that's what God is interested in doing in our life. He's interested in shaping us to become more like Christ. And the way that happens, Paul outlines three things. One, he he outlines this. He says it takes time and effort. It takes our time and our effort to be with God, to commune with God, to be in relationship with God in prayer. It also takes another thing. It takes God's Word. We cannot have guidance and direction. We cannot gain teaching. We cannot be corrected without God's Word, because God's Word is truth. It's the standard. It's the thing that, that is always, always true. There's not one problem with God's Word, not one fault in God's Word. It's perfect. So it takes God's Word because God's Word guides us. God's Word leads us. God's Word challenges us. God's Word 
changes us. God's Word corrects us. So if you want to know how to follow God, you want to be closer to Him, and you want to know more about what He has for your life, it's not going to come from TV. It's going to come from the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me, right? (laughs) That's how it happens. And guess what? Nobody else can pray for you in the sense that no one can take your spot to be with God. And no one can read the Bible for you, meaning no one can do it for you, for you to learn and know about God. You have to do that. It takes time and effort, takes God's Word, but it then also takes each other. You're going to see throughout a lot of these values that it's really it boils down to this. It boils down to God and God's people. It boils down to God and God's people. God and God's people. It takes each other to be true disciples of Christ. Why? Because we need each other. Right? I don't know if where you have been in life, not everybody. I know a lot of your stories, been, and most of your stories, I know you've had to be dependent on others. Not because you're weak, but because you understand you can't go through this life alone, and you wouldn't be who you are in Christ if it were just all on your own. But you recognize the fact that it takes other brothers and sisters in Christ speaking the truth in love and caring for one another, praying for one another, being there for one another, and all of those things to help sharpen each other in the ways of Christ. I've witnessed some of you over the last seven years since pastoring this church. Some of you have been here with me this long. I've seen you grow. I've seen you change. I've seen you transform. I've seen the life of Christ get brighter and bigger inside of you. I've seen your advances in the kingdom. You're not who you used to be. In some some situations, you used to react this way, but now you react more calmer, more cooler, more collected. You see, you get what I'm saying. I've seen how God has changed a lot of you, and that happened because you, you pray, that happened because you get in the Word, and also you take advantage of kingdom godly relationships. Amen? All right, number three. Value number three in New Life Church, we value being great commission focused. We value leading people to a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. For sake of time, I'm going to keep going. It says to be great commission focused is to focus our life on the great commission. Matthew 28, some of the famous words of Jesus, his final words to, the, to his disciples, to the believers, and that is the Great Commission. The Great Commission is great because, one, Jesus is great. He's worth talking about. He's worth living for. He's worth standing up for because he stood up for the whole world. And he stands up for you when nobody else will. The Great Commission is great because Jesus is great. It's also great because the mission is great. The mission is great. It's an adventure. It's something you and I would not dream of doing on our own. But the Great Commission is great because the mission itself is great. And it's also great because the message, the message of the gospel is great. This message, this good news, this gospel, when it is alive inside of a person, it buries our past and it awakens and liberates us to our present and it secures our future. This gospel, this good news, this God's Word, it changes everything about our life. It makes us know where we were weak, it makes us strong. Where we were lost, it makes us found. Where we were bound, it makes us free. 
where we, where we had fear, it puts faith inside of us. God's message is great. The Word of God is great. It changes everything about life. And it's a life of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Your faith will never grow and it can't grow unless you feed it God's Word. Our faith feeds on God's Word. It doesn't just happen. It happens when we feed our faith. Value number four. Value number four, at New Life Church, we value being Holy Spirit-filled. Being Holy Spirit-filled. We value the filling of the Holy Spirit, not for doctrinal sake, but for destiny's sake. We're open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit to fill us fresh daily. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us, empower us, inspire us, and produce in us God's character and God's love to be His witnesses on the earth. You and I are incapable of truly standing up for Christ and being His representative without the fullness of the Holy Spirit being at work in our life. We lack the ability, the fortitude, the conviction. We lack the wisdom. We lack the love. We lack it all. We must have the Holy Spirit in operation in our life. So living a Holy Spirit-filled life is about living with our lives open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There's many ways the Holy Spirit works in a believer's life. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit brings encouragement, strength, and support. Encouragement. Anybody need encouragement? Strength. How about strength? Anybody ever need strength? How about support? Anybody ever need support? Yeah. The Holy Spirit does all that. And in many ways, but three primary ways that he does this is through his gifts. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's nine of them, 1 Corinthians 12. Through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, there's nine of those, Galatians chapter 5. And also through the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1, 8 talks about that. That Jesus said, and you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when you do, he said, you will be filled with power. From on high to be what? To be my what? To be my witnesses. To be my witnesses. So we need the Holy Spirit every day. One of our prayers should be this. Holy Spirit, help me today. Help me today. I don't know everything I'm going to need help with. You know the day that lies ahead, but so whatever meeting I have, whatever encounter I have, whatever disruption I have, whatever interaction I have, whatever argument I'm going to be a part of today, whatever disagreement I might encounter today, whatever person I might be tempted to slap upside the head because they're stupid, I need help today. Lord, I don't know how my spouse is going to be today, but give me help. Lord, and I sure don't know how my kids are going to be, but Lord, give me help today. Holy Spirit, whatever it is, I don't know what lost person I'm going to encounter today. I don't know what person you're going to put in my path today, but you know my day. Lord, Holy Spirit, just help. Give me what I need for this day that lies ahead. 
I yield my life to you, my control to you, my mind to you, my will to you, my emotions to you. Take control, Holy Spirit, fill me fresh. Just something simple along those lines. And guess what? That pretty much covers it. That covers what Jesus taught in Matthew 6 on how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and so on and so forth. You might not say it like that, but if you can say, Holy Spirit, help me today to be your witness in all things and always, guess what? He'll lead us out of temptation. He'll deliver us from the evil one. He'll make us thankful for what we have and not covet what somebody else has. He'll help us to be honest and truthful and not greedy and jealous and envious of what others might have in their possession and all the above, everything. Holy Spirit, fill my life. Guide, empower, inspire. Produce in me your love. Amen. Core value number five. New Life Church, we value being next-gen committed. Next generation committed. We value the next generation of young people. They're not only the church of tomorrow, but also of today. Amen? We'll also give them a voice to be heard, a platform to be seen, a place to serve, a circle of love to equip, empower, and entrust unto them the ways of the kingdom. And we're praying and believing there is a spark of revival fires being ignited in our sons and in our daughters. Amen. How many of you, your parents, you want to see your children go further in Christ than you ever went? I want to see that. I want to see them be so close to God more than I ever have or ever will be. I want to see them walk in the ways of the Lord, stronger and more convicted and more righteous and more upstanding than I ever have been or ever will be. I want to see that happen. To be next-gen committed is about committing ourselves to help the next generation to see and know God for themselves. Pastor Lindsay actually preached this particular value for us a couple of weeks ago. She challenged us in four things to be aware, to be intentional, to be engaging, and to be loving based on 1 Corinthians 3 where the Apostle Paul says some people water, some people plant, but it's God who does the miracle and causes things to grow. You and I, as laborers in the fields of the harvest, we don't cause anything to grow. Our responsibility is to plant and to water. And she challenged us to see the next generation of young people as seeds to plant and seeds to water, and especially to be loving. Because one small motion of love towards another human being can generate a monumental movement paving the way for God to do the miracle of growing inside of a person. One. One. Authentic act of love can do that. Amen? Core value number six. I wish I could preach this fast every week. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, I do too. <laughs> you guys following me? You guys with me? Number six, at New Life Church, we value being stewardship-guided. Value exercising stewardship over the resources of life that God bestows upon us. When we're faithful stewards over God's people's money and resources, God blesses us to be even more effective in the purposes of ministry. Here's a statement about it. To be stewardship-guided is to live 
guiding our stewardship towards the purposes of the kingdom of God. I just preached this message last week, found out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. Taught us about six things about stewardship. We get blessed, we get to bless others. We realize that we're not worthy, that God really is the good one, and He allows us to have what we have. We get, to be, we get amazed at how God supernaturally provides for us, that it's not all in our power and strength, that when we're faithful stewards, God does His part. But also, number five, others are amazed at how God provides for His people. Sometimes things just don't make sense and they can't be explained. You just have to kind of do this, this, watch and see. Watch and see how God does His thing. And the sixth thing it teaches us is that, that stewardship teaches us is that ultimately Jesus gets our heart. You see, the thing is, folks, Jesus is not after our stuff as much as He is after our heart. Because he knows, hey, if I get their heart, I'll get their stuff, and I'll help them use their stuff to do what's right for my kingdom and not for their selfishness. Because let's just face it, we're human, and we tend to be selfish creatures from time to time. We tend to like certain things a certain way, and if it's not that certain way, at that certain thing, of that certain thing, guess what? We get upset. We're not always cool, calm, and collected. We're not always easygoing. We're not always thinking about more of others than ourselves. But Jesus knows, hey, if I got their heart, they'll come around. If I have their heart, they'll come around. If I have their heart, they'll come around, and they'll use all that they have and all that I've given them. Ultimately, it will be for my kingdom's cause, and it won't be for their thing. It'll be for what I want to do in their life and how I want to use their life to help somebody else know my love and know my forgiveness and know my ways for them. Ultimately, here's the thing about stewardship. It's this. It's we need to learn. God wants us to learn to honor Him, obey Him, and trust Him. God wants us to honor Him, obey Him, and trust Him. Let's face it. We didn't make ourselves. We didn't come into the world with anything, and we sure won't leave this world with anything. But what we can go with is peace, that God has our heart. And if He has our heart, then we can live with Him forever, forever and ever. Amen? I was tempted to go into that country song, Rodney, but I won't. <laughs> it's a... All right, all right, quit. Quit while I'm ahead and while I'm on time and doing good. Just be good, Jeremy. Be good. <laughs> Stewardship guided. God wants to see that we honor, we obey, and we trust Him. It's a good place to be when that happens. Matthew 16, 18. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Church, hell has never won and hell will never win. I know at times it feels like hell wins and hell gets the victor's crown and, and gets the attention and all the different things that comes with winning, but really... We know the end of the book. We know the end of the story. Those who endure to the end will win.
Those who endure to the end, the Bible says, will be saved. And this is the kind of people that Jesus is building up, a kind of people who will be strong for him, who will be victorious in him, and who will not cower and bow down to the ways of the world, but will live boldly and righteously and holy in God's will and in God's ways. Amen? That's the kind of people God has called us to be. To be kingdom-minded. To think like God. To act like Him. To become more like Him. To be a better disciple, follower of Christ. It takes each other. To focus on the lost those who don't know the Lord, to not bash them with the truth, but to live the truth in front of them. Amen? And to be loving to them and to help show them, hey, listen, there's a much better way than what you're going. There is a much better way. It's God's way. And I know you might not think much about that, but really here's the deal with every person in the entire world. We're all looking for love. We're all looking for acceptance. We're all looking for a place to lay our head at night and for people to be a part of our life in some fashion, in some form. And it's the church who's called to show the way. Amen? It's the church who's called to show what that is like. We need the Holy Spirit to help do this. We need the Holy Spirit to help do this. And we need to remember there's a generation coming behind us who's looking for guidance, who's looking for the way in which they need to turn their life, who's looking for answers. And you know who they're going to find it from? Those of us who are ahead of them. May we remember that. And may we remember as we carry on through life, Everything you and I possess and have, our stuff, our time, our energy, our talent, our gifts, our skill, our job, our stuff. Well, it's God who put breath in our lungs, and it's God who removes breath from our lungs. God knows every hair on our head, little or no, or or much. And God knows how He made each and every one of us, how He wired each and every one of us, and what He created us for, a kingdom purpose. A kingdom purpose. And you know what? The greatest thing on this planet is the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ. Jesus values His church. And so if Jesus values His church, His people, His body, so should those who are a part of it. Being a part of the local church should matter to all of us, and being a member of the local church should matter a whole lot. In closing, as you know, we recently changed our name from FWC, Family Worship Center, to New Life Church. And at our last Heart for the House in April, we started the beginning process of transferring all the membership from those of you who, are, who were members of FWC into New Life Church. And with that, I want to just tell you this right here quickly. Six reasons why church membership matters. This is why it's important. I read this on, a, on an article called The Gospel Coalition that I agree with when they wrote. And it says this, number one, in joining a church, 
You make visible your commitment to Christ and His people. That's why one reason it's, it's important. You state before God, you state before others that you are a part of a local body. You're a part of a particular group of believers. And in fact, it's in the local visible church that God expects us to live out our faith. It's how He ordained it. That's how He created it. It's how He rolls. Take it up with Him. The majority of Paul's letters in the New Testament, once you get outside of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the majority of those letters, they're not written to individuals. They're written to the local church, the local body of believers. So it's an insinuation to tell us, hey, listen up. We should be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. So when you join a church, you make your commitment visible to Christ and to people. Number two, making a commitment makes a powerful statement in a low-commitment culture. These days, there's more people living together and dating each other than there are people getting married. I read that on the Internet somewhere. You know whatever you read on the Internet is true, right? But it's true. There is some truth to that. Making a commitment says a whole lot in a low-commitment culture. It says that, hey, I'm committed to this group of people. They're committed to me. And membership is one way to stop dating the church and to actually marry one. Membership is a way we stop dating a church and we actually marry one and commit ourselves to her. Amen? So I encourage you, wherever you are in your thinking Just listen to the the rest of these things. Number three, we can be overtly independent as people. We can be overtly independent as people. What I mean by that is we tend to be free spirits, critical thinkers, and kind of run wherever we want to run and go wherever we want to go, do whatever we want to do and all that stuff. I don't want anybody telling me how to live. I don't want anybody checking up on me and what I'm doing and all that stuff. Here's a question you should ask yourself. Is anybody else running with you? Chances are it'll be a small, small number. Where are the majority of people running? Probably following Jesus, their chief shepherd, right? You see, we live in a society that tells us to be overtly independent. We don't need anybody. We don't need no covering. We don't need nobody looking over our shoulder or any of that stuff. And I'm not talking about we pry into everybody's business and all that stuff. But no, we care so much about each other that we don't want to see people go down the wrong path. You see, membership states in a formal way, I am part of something bigger than myself, and I am not just one of a hundred of individuals. I am a part of a body. 1 Corinthians 12, case in point, talks about it, how we are all individual members, but yet together we make up the body of Christ. For instance, my hand doesn't say, I want to go and slap Jeremy upside the head. It doesn't just go and do its thing. It can't just go and do its thing, right? Just can't go and do its thing. If it does, it looks really crazy, doesn't it? It looks like I'm weird, right? My hand doesn't get to do that. My mind is telling my hand right now what to do. Why? Because my my hand knows it's attached to something bigger than itself. It's attached to a body. 
And so the correct instruction is, I want to go and love my brother. I want to go and pray for my brother. I want to go and give in to his life. You see, that's what part of membership states, that we're not independent, but we're part of a body. Amen? Number four, church membership keeps us accountable. Church membership keeps us accountable. It says we are here to stay. I want to help you grow in godliness, and I'm asking you to help me do the same. Not only do I care about you and I want to see you grow in God and holiness and righteousness and be faithful to Jesus till he comes or calls you home, but I'm also asking you, help me do the same. Help me live for him. Help me when I'm down and you're up and when you're down, I'm up. Help me be that. I need it from you and you need it from me. Membership keeps us accountable. And I know that's not a popular thing. I know that. But in Christ, those who call ourselves Christians, it should be on the forefront of our priorities. Number five, joining the church will help your pastors be more faithful shepherds. It actually helps us to be more faithful shepherds. If you never become a member, we can't tell if you are really gone because we might not be sure you were ever here. It's nearly impossible for pastors to shepherd the flock when they don't know who really consider them their shepherds. But when you make a commitment to be a member, it says, hey, I'm a part of your flock. I need you to pastor my life. Help me to follow Christ. And pastors can be better at their job. And number six reason why it's good to be a member of a church. Joining the church gives you an opportunity to make promises. Why would I want to make promises? See, when someone becomes a member of New Life Church, they make the promise to pray, to give, to serve, to attend worship, to accept the spiritual guidance of the church, to obey the teachings of the church, and to seek the things that make for unity, purity, and peace. Ah, anybody love peace? Anybody love purity? Anybody love unity? Yeah, it makes you want to, at night, you lay your head down and not worry. See, it helps us as members to make those kinds of promises because, you see, those kinds of promises lead to a godly Christian life in Christ. Because, you see, ultimately, here's the thing, church, let me tell you this. It's not about the temporal part of the however many years you and I get on this earth. That matters. But if if that entire wall behind me was eternity, if that whole wall was eternity, you can't even see what your life is on that wall. That's how small it is. And I know to you and I, it's a big deal. And it is how we live because it impacts a lot of people. But what this really is about is about when you step over into the next world, will you enter in to heaven's gates or will you enter into hell's flames? And I want to know that I do everything on my watch to ensure that every person who sits before me every week and every conversation and prayer time I have with you and for you, that you are serving Jesus, that your family 
is serving Jesus. Like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. That's why membership to the local church is really, really important. There's other reasons, but those are some of the top ones that I felt like stick out the most. So what I want to do as we wrap up today is we want to, those of you who were not at the last Heart for the House when we did this, is we want to transfer your membership over from FWC to NLC. So I'm going to ask everybody to go ahead and stand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything you don't want to do other than stand right now. And they're going to put our membership statement on the screen. And if you were a member of Family Worship Center and you have not done this process yet under New Life Church, then we're going to say this together. Uh, let's put the, the membership one. should have a membership one. And as we end today, I'm going to be at the guest table right behind you, right in the center court back there behind you. And we've got new membership certificates as well as uh, New Life Church car decals. How many of you got your car decals out and put them on your, some of you got them on your cars going? I know some of you are anti-car decal. Uh, all right. But we have them for you. It's an it's a easy way for, for all of us to, hey, market our church, show people New Life Church is out there and we exist. And so what we're going to do is just, we're going we're gonna to go through this membership time and we're just going to, pledge ourselves, hey, I'm crossing over and I'm going forward with New Life Church. If they can't pull that up, then I'll call an audible and we'll do a different thing. Nope. All right, we'll do a different thing. We won't worry about it. Here's what I do. I'm going to If you, were, if you were at heart for the house and you did this already, can you do this? Can you just raise your hand? Let me see. Okay, awesome. If you were not at heart for the house and you want to do this, don't raise your hand. I'm just going to ask all of us together to just bow our heads and I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to ask you to repeat a couple of things, okay? Father, I thank you for the, this day. I thank you for our church. Thank you for New Life Church and what you have ahead for us. That this is for such a time as this that we exist, and that we are here, and that we are together as a body of believers. Lord, I'm thankful for everyone, and I pray and ask for your blessing on their life. And today, Lord, we're just simply saying, hey, we get you love us. We, we understand you have a plan for us. And we, we can't do it by ourselves. It has to be lived out, fleshed out, worked out in the context of a faith family. And we just simply want to be faithful to what you have for our life and what you want for us. And so we just yield ourselves to your plan. We might not understand it all the time, but we're going to trust you, we're going to honor you, and we're going to obey you, God. So I now ask that you would just hear our, our, our cry, our prayer today. Just pray this with me. Heavenly Father, help me to follow you faithfully, loyally, every day. I thank you. 
for this church, for New Life Church. Thank you that I'm a part. And I ask you to help me to be a greater part than I ever have been. Help me to be truer to your word. Help me to be more faithful in prayer. Help me to be a stronger servant. Help me to be a more honest disciple. Give me your mind and give me your heart. Oh God, I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And I know it's a little different than what we normally would do, but listen, here's what I'm going to do. As, as we leave today, I'll be at that guest table. We're going to have new membership certificates for those of you who had not already done this. going to sign those, put your names on those, and give those to you. And that just signifies, hey, you're moving forward as a member of New Life Church. All right? Everybody good with that? If you're not, then you don't have to come and get the certificate. It's cool. All right? We're still going to be going. Still going to be rocking and moving for God. Here's the deal. I want to read this benediction over your life. How many of you appreciate this benediction? I have to tell you, it blesses me every single week I read this thing. And I want to remind you, if you had not had the chance to take communion as I conclude today, feel free to come forward to the Lord's table and take your time there if you'd like. Here's the benediction for today out of number six. The Lord bless you by constantly bringing good into your life. The Lord keep you so that the care and sacrificial love of Christ poured out on the cross should guard all that is sacred and precious about you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you by having His glory always shine on your life. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you by always letting you know that He is fully present in your life And He is self-giving to you. The Lord give you peace. A peace that is unthreatened and undisturbed. And may your soul feel its worth in the significance of Christ Jesus as you go today. Bless you, New Life Church. Have a strong, faithful week in God. We'll see you again next weekend.